we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Welcome to Trivia Night with Dr. <laughs> Jenny Powell. I'm Dr. Marilyn Singleton, and welcome to America Out Loud Pulse. Tonight, I just feel like we have to take a break from all the violence and more and more teens with no conscience running people down and beating people up, thousands of immigrants a day crossing our open borders, physician burnout up to over half and almost half of nurses have burnout. It just seems like there's nothing fun and no good news. So we're going to have a little fun tonight. Since this show is kind of medical and political, I just thought my first trivia question with Dr. Powell, who I'll tell you about after I ask her a question. This is something that's very important in the news now. Who was the first and only U.S. president to serve non-consecutive terms? Do you know that answer, Dr. Powell? Uh, would that be John Adams? No, it's one of my faves, Grover Cleveland. Oh, my goodness. No, I did not know that. He was 22nd and 24th president. Between his terms, he moved back to New York and worked at a law firm. His wife gave birth to their famous daughter, baby Ruth. That's where uh, that candy bar came from. So now that you've heard her voice, I just want to tell you a little bit about Dr. Jenny Powell. She describes herself as a small town girl. She married her high school sweetheart, who was the homecoming king. And boy, he still looks like a homecoming king. <laughs> and, <laughs> and after attending University of Illinois for one year as a pre-journalism major, she didn't really know if that's what she wanted to do. But she got married, had kids, worked several different jobs, which I think are so fun. And everybody ought to know she was a receptionist for an aviation company, receptionist for a loan company, a bank teller, and an assistant manager for a retail shop. She even taught Sunday school, all this while raising her kids. And then as she puts it, when I was 30 years old, God called me to become a physician. And she did. And now she has a really special kind of private practice in Missouri, one where patients always come first. But today, she's going to be my trivia queen. So we're going to get started with a little medical trivia. And the first question I'm going to ask, it's kind of funny. I thought about this because of the TV show Law and Order, where somebody got something mixed up because of this. What percent of the world is colorblind? Now I'm going to give you some choices. Less than 1%, 4.5%, 10%, 15%. What do you think, Dr. Powell? 
I think I would I would guesstimate around ten uh, percent. Four and a half percent. Now four and a half. You're a little close on the men. About eight percent of men, and then one in two hundred women are colorblind, and the most common kind is red green. And in the Law and Order episode, the detective was colorblind, so he said the scarf was red instead of green. And it that really got me thinking, my goodness, how many mistakes could be made? I mean, that's a lot of people. That That is. Uh, that's, you know, it's um, because it's on the X chromosome, I guess that's why it happens a lot more in men than it does in women. Because you'd have to have it on both of your exes as a uh, as a female, um, but it's also one of the things that you test on the vision for a, a DOT exam. Oh well, that makes sense. I mean, gee whiz! Even if you in your brain try to uh, make the transition, you certainly couldn't always count on that for getting stop and go and all that kind of stuff. So very interesting. So yeah. if, if anybody's having trouble with red and green, uh, go to your doctor, get your, get, get yourself tested. It could come in very handy. Sure. So, okay. So let's do the next one. What is the hardest substance in the human body? Dentin, tooth enamel, keratin or bone my husband would say my heart um <laughs> i see that's not one of the options um but yeah that's that's your that's your tooth enamel that's how you can crack those uh nuts right well it, it's kind of interesting that um i actually recently chipped a tooth and this is so funny and i've never looked at it again i bought a bag of cracker jill just because I couldn't believe what the bag said. And so this was the politically correct cracker jack. So there's gotta be something kind of karmic or something that I was eating that and I chipped a back tooth. So you tell me. <laughs> Cracker you know, <laughs> that is so funny because you know my mother was um a a wave in world war ii she was in the women's navy and and if um if she were alive today she would think that cracker jill was the silliest thing she'd ever seen <laughs> it's it's very funny since we are talking about teeth and then your mother was a wave my mother's big sister in college. Now, mind you, my mother went to college, graduated from college in 1939, and her big sister was a wave and then became a dentist in <laughs> 1947. You know, wow. it's funny because people talk about, oh, women this and then Black people that, they can't get ahead. Well, Pat, in 1947, was a woman dentist. How many women dentists were there back then? Talk right. about less than 1%. Right, right. So, anyway, 
a, a little family history from both sides. Yeah. Now, here's one I love because humans, of course, we think they're the smart, we're the smartest people on earth. Maybe we are, maybe we aren't. Who knows? So I'm going to ask you, and I don't know if you majored in biology, probably not, since you wanted to be a journalist. Which mammal has the highest brain to body weight ratio? Dogs, dolphins, tree shoes, or humans? I would I would guess the shrews and, because they're so tiny. Mm, well, that kind of makes sense. That reminds me in medical school when they were telling us to make sure to keep babies warm, that babies had more surface area than adults. And you think, huh? But that's because it, it's a measurement of how much area versus the body weight and size and everything else. And now you notice that they're putting little hats on babies routinely. It used to be they just put them on preemies, and now all babies are getting the little hats so they won't uh, let all that heat escape. This one is kind of near and dear to me because there's um, anesthesia, which was folklore. And then suddenly somebody did a study and found out it was more than fol folklore. Which people, uh, people with which hair color have more scalp follicles on average, brown, black, blonde, or red? You know, they didn't say gray. Um <laughs> Wow. Who knew that there was a difference? Um, I have no idea. It's blondes. I would have thought that, I don't know, black. It seems like people with the black hair look like they have more hair, but it's blondes. And uh, according to this uh, trivia answer, which, by the way, comes from a great medical newspaper called MD Links, and anybody can sign up for it. It's a little daily email. It's got great information in there. According to them, blondes have 150,000 scalp hair follicles, 90,000 in redheads, and 100,000 in black or brown hair. So for anybody with these hair colors, there's a little piece of trivia you can tell whoever might care, I don't know. But in anesthesia, we always saw a difference between redheads and people with other hair colors. Now, redheads are the least common. Uh, do you know how somebody becomes a redhead, Dr. Powell? Other than having some uh, kind of uh, Scottish background, I have no idea. Well, I don't know. Is it a mixture of a blonde, a blonde parent and a brown haired parent? Does that make a redhead? I don't, I don't know. I don't no, know. I know that there's way too many genes, though, for hair color. So it's, you know, it's not um, simple. And it's not simple at all. Yeah. No. OK. Well, what um, my teaser was in the dental literature they say that redheads have different pain than people with black, brown, or blonde hair. And it's something 
you know, anesthesiologists kind of notice that they have a better pain tolerance. So it's kind of interesting whether that's runs totally true or not. Who knows? Half these things, you know, hey, right. it's a generalization. So beware of redheads. So. <laughs> I, I, I still think it's got to have something to do with Viking blood or something. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Okay, let's let's do another numbers one. Okay, this one's kind of funny because I pay attention to how much I do this. How many times does the average person blink each day? Here's oh, the choice: five thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand. 40,000. Now, I hope everybody at home is marking these down, seeing seeing if you get it right just for the hay of it. Okay. What do you think the answer is? Well, you know, when you're taking a uh, multiple choice <laughs> and you don't have any idea, you usually say B. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to guess 10,000. Well, <laughs> guess who guessed wrong? <laughs> Well, yeah. it's 20,000. So huh. somebody wants to sit there and count their blinks, which of course won't won't matter because you'll be paying attention. So it won't right. be really real counting. <laughs> so I'm assuming that this statistic probably came from a government funded study. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> who was it who had that? Uh, was it? What was was it Tom? No, Coburn, Senator Coburn, who uh, now passed away. He had that pork thing he put out every year. And it did have studies like that in it. Oh, man, the ones with hamsters and shrimp. How fast can shrimp run? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul has taken that up because he still does that, too. Wow. Oh, we need to. X all that out and talk about right? the show. My <laughs> blood pressure would get too high if we talked about all that stuff. My goodness. Oh, let's not talk about it. <laughs> okay, let's do a phobia. Now, diapnophobia is the fear of what? Hot peppers, celebrities, deep water, or dinner conversation? Dinner conversation sounds silly enough to be a phobia. So that's that's what I'm going to uh, that's what I'm going to guess. Well, you're right. And supposedly, just like with shyness and um, in fact, I learned this for and people fainting when um, you get your blood drawn, it's genetic and, and environmental. So. I, you know, I like to point things like that out, especially the fainting when you get your blood drawn. Don't let people call you a wimp or make fun of you because you can't help it. It's right. genetic. And uh, so many things are genetic. And even though they did the human genome, golly, how many things do we not know? It's right. It's it's kind of stunning. And sometimes I wonder how how we doctors ever do anything right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, 
we can talk about that over dinner conversation if you want to. <laughs> as long as you don't have this phobia. But um, it just it just lets you know how hard it is. And for people out there who have something and, and nobody can figure out what it is, it's tough. Our genes make us who we are, and so many are just sort of all these combinations and hidden things that can happen. Sometimes I, I wonder, it, it's, it's a miracle that we come out okay. Right, right. Well, and, and just having the gene for something doesn't mean it's going to be expressed. So how does the body decide which of the genes are going to be expressed and which are not? the bigger mystery to me than just even having the genes for this, that, or the other. Okay. We talk about genotypic, which is what your genes are. And then phenotypic, which is how the genes were expressed during your development. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. And sometimes it's like trying to count stars in the sky. You sort of cringe and say, okay, I give up. I'll do what I can. So yeah. for right now we're giving up on this segment and which I hope you didn't you enjoy. It's kind of a change from our usual, but I needed a change. I was kind of down and out over all these bad things that are happening. So I wanted a little fun for tonight. I like to talk about, which I always do, my old buddy Cofix R X. Cofix RX is a nasal spray and it's iodine and some xylitol, both of which are antiviral and they're very strong antiviral agents. And now it's starting to be the fall and winter and colds are picking up. And its name Cofix came because it was invented during COVID, but it kills influenza and cold viruses, but it's like an airbag. It's not a hundred percent. We're not going to say that it's going to kill every single virus in your nose, but it helps reduce the impact on your body, helps keep that viral load down before it gets down to your lungs and, and really starts to make you sick. So lots of doctors and pharmacists recommend it. You can get it most places. Most importantly, you can get it on our website and uh, click the little Cofix button, read more about it, see if it's for you. I love it. It was invented in the USA. It's made in the USA. And what could be better than that? Cofix RX nasal solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25.
Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Okay, back to our trivia. Now, I've got a number, uh, another numbers one with big numbers, and we were talking about genes, so let's talk about something else tiny. How many new cells, these are new cells, are produced by the human body each second? Okay. Here's the numbers, 100,000, 400,000, 1 million, 4 million. I'm going to guess 4 million because 1 million doesn't sound like enough. Well, you're right. And do you know what kind of cells are constantly being produced? Obviously not brain cells, but... um... (laughs) I am going to say that if your bone marrow is working great, probably things that are made in the bone marrow. Yeah. Like your white blood cells and in particular. Yeah. And your red blood cells, those are constant because they um, disintegrate. And so you make new ones. And uh, it, I think it's funny when you talk about obviously not brain cells, because a lot of people say over time, and I don't know if it's true or if it's urban legend or what, that you lose brain cells every day. I know if you get conked on the head, you do. If you just lose them just by virtue of getting older, I don't know. Right. I think uh, now, of course, you would probably know better than me. But um, I would think that it's more the number of synapses in the brain that is more important than the number of actual brain cells. But And that's where there tend to be problems in uh, transmission of the various neurotransmitters across the synapses. And that's why a lot of times when doctors are looking at illnesses, you look at presynaptic and postsynaptic, and then you see where the problem was. Was it the production of certain hormones or substances, or does something happen in the synapse that uh, screws it all up and then you don't see it post? So uh, more and more, the technology is coming up where once they started doing these scans, that they can make these scans very specific and look for transmitters that are um, crossing the synapse and uh, see where the problem is. I mean, that's come a long way. When I was an intern, they didn't have CAT scans. And when people came in with a head injury, we just had to do what's called burr holes, where you take a drill. Yes, it looks just like a regular drill and drill a hole in the skull and see if there was any blood underneath. That's how you diagnose a subdural hematoma. I mean, have we come a long way or what? Right. <laughs> I mean, now with how many 
Peace. You got to be pretty sure you got the right spot before you drill <laughs> a hole in there, right? Yes. Well, there is a little mapping way you do it. So it wasn't <laughs> random. But like whack-a-mole or <laughs> not not quite. It wasn't that bad. But thank goodness we don't have to do that anymore. Right. And with PET scans and then the functional PET scans where they ask you to move a limb and then they can see the portion in the brain where it's moving. It's it's so fascinating to me. And living through the changes, I'm just stunned at the medical advances. It's just, I don't know. I I feel like we take so much for granted these days, just in life. And certainly we do in medicine. And I'm sure a lot of the younger doctors would be appalled and think of something out of the 1800s at what we did just back in the 1970s. Right. So, well, speaking of the brain, Let's let's do a, a brain question. And this, I'll put you on the spot because this is like a first year medical student question. How much of the body's oxygen supply is used by the brain? 5%, 10%, 20%, or 30%? Yeah, I would have said 25%, but that's not an option. Um Let's go with 20. Yeah, you're right. And I think I learned 25 too. So I I don't know about the person who wrote this question, but maybe they wanted to make it easy. So it they say that the average brain consumes three and a half milliliters of oxygen per hundred grams of brain tissue per minute. Kind of tell us a little bit about that, the oxygen going to the brain. And when somebody's injured or why you have more heart attacks after dinner and talk a little bit about that kind of blood flow and what it does in our body. Well, you know, I think one of the best ways to think about it is when uh, alcohol, when you've been drinking alcohol and how the alcohol replaces oxygen in the brain and you know how your brain doesn't operate the way it does when you haven't been drinking alcohol. I think that's a great way for people to uh, kind of think about how important the oxygen is, you know, after a heart attack, obviously, what what does the, the main thing the heart does is pump the oxygenated blood that came from the lungs out to the brain and and then the rest of the body. Um, I think also if we think about the size, you know, what's the first things that basically come off of that aorta when it, you know, where the blood leaves the heart is, is the carotids. So it can throw the blood up to the brain as quickly as possible. And then you also think about the, um, how the brain, the brain's uh, blood supply is, you know, that beautiful circle of Willis that we learned about and how it tries to make sure that the blood can be evenly distributed and, and go to um, all the, all parts of the brain so that if, you know, one, one part is blocked off, the whole brain isn't blocked off, unless, of course, you're strangled, which would be bad <laughs> or beheaded. 
<laughs> but, but, but this is one of the things the body knows that it has to preserve the brain. And sure. it so it goes to the brain, it goes to the heart, and your GI tract is the last on the list. And so if you have a big meal and more blood goes to the GI tract, it takes it away from the heart and the brain. So all this stuff kind of goes together and magically the body knows what to do. Pretty, there's our miracle again. Right, right. So here's one that I love because I get bitten by any bug that God put on this earth. My (laughs) body just attracts them. So mosquitoes tend to prefer prefer which blood type a b o a b i'm going to say o because i think that's because we're the best (laughs) well you got it right yeah i think you're the best i don't even have blood type o so i don't know why they chew me up but i (laughs) figure you know people pick a way that they're going to go. I'm going to go from overuse of insect repellent. (laughs) Well, I I think it's not so much that they prefer it. And I don't know how they came up with that. I would just say that there's probably more people who have O than there is anything else, isn't there? I don't know. You know, it's very funny. Uh, Even though I transfuse blood and all this stuff i'm not a big uh maven on blood types and percentages Uh, we do know that o negative is the universal donor that means if you have type a b or a b o negative that's rh negative blood can be transfused so in an emergency you can give o negative blood to somebody And because it'll tide them over until you can find the correct type. So that's something to keep in mind as far as um, if you're in a trauma, that if you don't get your own blood type, you will have gotten O negative, which you don't have a blood reaction to. So uh, thank goodness for all the O negatives out there. Right. (laughs) So, back to some numbers, and since I was talking about viruses and co-fix and getting colds and COVID and all, I'm going to ask you. Now, this could be a hard one. This this might be another one of those Dr. Pal guesses, but who knows? My brilliant friend might know. How many viruses live on and inside the average human body. Now, 1 billion, 180 billion, 3 trillion, 380 trillion. And no, I'm not talking about the national debt. Again, who has to count? I, I was a microbiology major, and there was a such a thing as TMTC that we we used. Too many to count. 
because we would count things in in a, a high powered view, and I would say TMTC. <laughs> Um, I have no idea. This is, this is, um, I know it's a bunch. <laughs> that doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, uh, you won't believe this. It's almost like the national debt. 380 trillion. Oh so, my goodness. That is definitely too many to count. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember in medical school, in parasitology class, and I don't remember the exact number, they said that humans had, you know, it was billions of parasites. So it was enough for seven parasites for every human on earth. Now, of course, some people have none. Other people have a lot because suddenly we were sitting in our chair squirming, wondering what <laughs> worms were running around our bodies but so this is you know there's more viruses than bacteria on the inside of the body and so many of these things certainly with the bacteria are helpful and this is why you're not supposed to over scrub your skin and or overwash your hands because there's this just right combination of bacteria and fungus and they all kind of combat each other and it they have their own little ecosystem in our body and and this whole thing have you had a lot of your patients ask about probiotics that seems to be in the news a lot yes i have yeah, and, and and they're saying that having the right combination of bacteria in your gut helps prevent a lot of diseases elsewhere in your body. Correct. So um, this is another reason to, when you're eating, to have a balance of a whole lot of different things because that's what helps with these probiotics. Do you know if those probiotic drinks and stuff, I guess yogurt really helps, but they've got these probiotic water drinks and stuff. Do you think those actually help? I know it depends. Um, what I usually tell people is to make sure that they have three different types of uh, species in their probiotics. Because the more, you know, I mean, seven or nine is better, but um, at least three different ones. Uh, because, you know, the problem with um, if you just take the acidophilus, for instance, that's just one species and that's not going to be sufficient for your gut. But um, I, uh, I attended a really good uh, lecture about that. And uh, that's where I learned, you know, the gut really needs to have, because uh, that's where your immune system lives. And we don't think about that. We think, oh, bone marrow or, you know, um, the blood, blood supply. But it's, you know, your immune system, um, the quality of your immune system is based on the quality of your GI tract. Wow. I think a lot of people didn't know that or don't know it. And I think it's something for people to pay attention to. And when people talk about these different diets, the Mediterranean diet and 
you know, keto diet and all these things that I think that's why people pretty much come uh, up with saying Mediterranean diet's probably the best. When you do some of these others, you're leaving out a lot of nutrients and things that will make for that proper bacteria colonization in your gut. So we have to be careful in doing, you know, it's like for a while people had the grapefruit diet or the cabbage diet or whatever. We're not just supposed to eat one thing. Correct. So, well, we'll get back to this after we take our break. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced. These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Okay, back to medical trivia. Okay, here's one that I learned a long time ago. I don't know why, but I did. Which part of the body grows continuously throughout life? The eyes, the teeth, the toes, or the ears? You know, I think I learned the nose, but um, of those, the ears and the nose are both uh, mostly cartilage, right? So I'm, I'm going to guess ears. You got that right. And I think I heard about the nose too. Or yeah. And that it was like, unfortunately, I noticed that on myself, that my nose has gotten bigger over the years, kind of a little longer. So I have a question about space. And 
I think about space because years and years ago, when I was reading the Journal of the American Medical Women's Association, they were talking about women in space. And mind you, this is years ago when the first female Russian cosmonaut went up. And one of the things they had said was they didn't know how to design a spacesuit for a woman because men, they just put what's called a condom catheter so they can pee inside their spacesuit. But what do you do with women? And so that was one big question. And then they wondered, what would you do with a woman when they had their period in outer space? Well, it turns out women don't have their period in outer space, which is very interesting. So I am interested in spacesuits. That's why I'm going to ask you this question. How long would you stay conscious if you were thrown into space alive without a spacesuit? Less than one second, 10 seconds, a minute, three minutes. I would, well, I think a minute's too long um, and a less than a second is too short. So I'm going to say the uh, about 10 seconds. You're right. Uh, the explanation of that, that it says, you know, you're not going to die instantly, but according to NASA, your body won't explode or freeze and you won't lose consciousness immediately but the lack of oxygen is what would kill you in about one or two minutes and you lose consciousness because of the oxygen deprivation to the brain. So holding your breath doesn't matter. You still won't get oxygen and you won't let go of the CO2. So it's kind of a dreadful thing to think about, but, um, I just have this thing about space and spacesuits, so I thought I'd throw that one out. My smart Dr. Powell got it right. So, <laughs> all right, this is something for everybody to think about because we all have them. How many joints are in an adult human body? 60, 160, 260, 360. Whoever wrote this likes the number 60, don't they? <laughs> um, I would I would be guessing around 300, uh, so I don't know whether to say 260 or 360. Well, you have to choose. Got to make a diagnosis. Um, let's, let's go high. Let's go at the highest number. Okay, 360. Well, what's interesting about that, you're right is that just one hand has 30 joints. So yeah. imagine that, add that with both hands and the feet. So And both feet, right. And ask anybody who has any kind of arthritis, or and you don't have to be an old coot to wake up with stiff hands and feet till you work out the kinks or have a hot shower. You can feel every single one of those 360 joints. You know, I had uh, I had a patient who actually had arthritis on her sternum where one of the, the ribs attaches. I said, now that's that's a heck of a place to have arthritis. I'll say, wow, and that would hurt. 
It's yeah. funny because um, there's a syndrome of that that a lot of people, Tietze's disease, that a lot of people come in and they think they're having a heart attack and there's a special spot you can put right where the ribs hit the sternum and you get this exquisite pain. And it's one of the ways to rule that out. Yeah. Let's do another weird phobia. Atiphobia is the irrational fear of clowns, heights, physicians, ruins. What was it? The the name of the phobia? Atiphobia, A-T-E phobia. Um, I don't even know what the A-T-E would stand for. Um, but let's let's say ruins. Why not? <laughs> well, you're right. That's a good guess. I never heard of that, and I don't either. You know how one thing in medicine we try to learn Latin roots and Greek roots, so sometimes you can guess what something is because you know the, the Greek root. or yeah. Latin root, but this I never heard of. It is the fear of ruins and that some people get anxious just by thinking about destroyed buildings or ruins. So I think that's kind of interesting. Again, uh, some of these things, you kind of wonder how somebody got together to compile all these, but they're kind of interesting. Now, yeah. the next one, I became interested in because I had a guest actually who, and I don't, I, I think his show's been on or it might be on um, next week. I'm not sure. I can't remember, but we talked about sleep. And so I'm going to ask you a question about dreams. How many people dream in black and white? 2%? 12%, 22%, I would I would think that that's fairly rare. Um so uh let's let's go um 12% cuz I would think 10%. Mhm. Well, what's interesting about that and this is what I learned from the sleep talk is and 12% is right that since color TV came out, more people dream in color. So I found that kind of interesting. Huh. So yeah, it shows how much we're affected by our environment, because obviously you can see color without watching TV. And uh, so, yeah. So now very few people dream in black and white. And it's a big shift since the 40s, since the color TV came out. I'll be darned. So here's another food one. Which, and this, okay, since we're kind of a political show too, we get to talk about a president. Which U.S. president is believed to have died after consuming too many cherries and too much iced milk? James Buchanan, I know who does that. Zachary Taylor, John Adams, William Henry Harrison. Couldn't even guess here. <laughs> uh, 
I don't think John Adams, but that that doesn't I I don't know. It was Zachary Taylor. It said he was in a Fourth of July celebration in 1850 that was a fundraiser for the Washington Monument. He was originally diagnosed with cholera morbus, which was the term for GI ailments. So remember, everybody, don't overindulge on cherries and ice milk. <laughs> oh, I tell you, some of these things about the presidents are sort of a kick. And um, <laughs> one, one that I always remember is because, I don't know, the way everybody likes to trash presidents or say they should be this or should be that. President Gerald Ford used to be a model for Cosmopolitan in the 1940s. <laughs> Imagine now if there were social media, the guy would be skewered. All right, yeah. here, here's one that's funny. I think everyone probably knows the answer to this. What old saying that a night with Venus leads to a lifetime with Mercury refers to what condition? Tuberculosis, the plague, scurvy, or syphilis? Well, I, I, well, I'm going to guess uh, syphilis. Indeed, that's that night with Venus, and mm -hmm. why? Why Mercury? Um, but I believe Mercury was uh, uh, was used as uh, a treatment. Yeah. That was the treatment all the way back in the early 1900s. So it was around for a long time. And then when penicillin came out in, I think, 1947, and I hate to have to bring up something bad, but it is when we think about that Tuskegee syphilis experiment that our U.S. government Public Health Service, listen to that, uh, put on that they did not give the participants in that study penicillin, even though it had come out and it was shown to cure syphilis. They just uh, let these poor men continue to have their syphilis. It's terrible. Just terrible. Okay. This is kind of fun for us girls, how many eggs are ovulated during an average female lifetime? 100 to 200, 300 to 400, 600 to 800, 1,000 to 1,200. Oh, let's say uh, 600 to 800. Ding. Okay. <laughs> 300 to 400. When no. women are born, they have about a million eggs. And by puberty, only about 300,000 remain. Isn't us poor girls, men get to make new sperm all the time. We're stuck with what we have. Right. But it's one of the reasons when you get IVF in vitro fertilization, when they take the eggs out, they have to examine it because our eggs 
our present birth. So they get old over time. Right. They're they're if I remember right, they're um like suspended in telophase, right right where it they're about to, to pull apart the chromosomes is did I remember right or I think so. I think so. And that's why, you know, like trisomy is more uh, common in older women than it is younger women because the eggs have been suspended in that telophase for a hot minute. Yes. Well, it's something to think about. Some people are wondering whether IVF causes more autism or more ADHD. Who knows? These are sort the sort of thing that it's going to take years of having procedures, having children who are products of procedures, and having enough people in the pool to make valid scientific conclusions, you know, and not just anecdotal studies, because you knew one person who had IVF and their child had ADHD. That is not a study. Right, right. So... Well, I think we have time for two more. One that I think is going to be fun, just because I had uh, a friend in college who, to make extra money, went to Antarctica. He was a physicist because they were paying big money for people to go down there for a couple of years. So Australian doctors who work at an Antarctic base are required to have which procedure prior to traveling to the continent? appendectomy, removal of wisdom teeth, tonsillectomy, or all of the above? I would say the re- I would say appendectomy and that's because you know most of the uh, those other two things could be uh, if you have a, an abscessed tooth, they would send you with antibiotics and the same with if you had tonsillitis, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's the one of those uh, three that, you know, it's not an easy, okay, let's just try some antibiotics and see if it gets better. And that would be an uh, appendectomy. Well, you're right. It's interesting because, and I remember seeing this on the the news, the doctor had to be evacuated because he had appendicitis. But recently, they're starting to treat appendicitis with antibiotics. And now, really? yeah, enough people are being treated that way that they have enough numbers to do a study and saying in some folks, you know, there's got to be the right person you're doing it on. Obviously, if it's ruptured, that's not going to work. But um, it's working, which is good to know. It's wonderful to be able to avoid surgery, but you got to watch out with women because you don't want it to spread to their tubes. And then they have problems with their fallopian tubes from having an infection. So one last one before we end up laughing for 15 minutes a day burns. How many calories less than five, 10 to 40, 50 to 100, 150 to 250. Does that include snorting or slapping your knee? <laughs> that had, that would have a few. <laughs> because I would say that that would increase the, the calories you burn. Um, 
and uh, having for 15 minutes. I'm I'm going to be optimistic and say 50 to 100. It's sorry. It's only 10 to 40. You'd have to laugh for 12 hours to burn one pound. Hmm. But so, <laughs> we all know laughing, laughing. <laughs> it does so much more than burn calories. We, you know, what's what's that expression? Laughter is the best medicine. And we hope we've given you some good medicine today and taken a break from all the doom and gloom. Dr. Powell, you are a gem, and we're going to have to do this again. I would look forward to that. Okay. I always love talking with you. Okay, thank you so much. And i just like to thank everybody for listening to AmericaOutloud.com Pulse, that our show is really it's, it's expanded since it started about a year and a half ago. And uh, we've got so many new things on the website. We have our email that you can email the host or to ask a question for the guest. And we'll get back to you. First names are fine on the email. And uh, we've got a trending cloud up top. You can click on, see what's going on. And our newest thing is AmericaOutloud.shop. And it speaks for itself. It's a shopping website. And it's got Cofix RX on there, products from Healthy Cell and the Wellness Company, and a bookstore. It's got the books of the guests and uh, other books of interest. And if most of the codes are out loud and you get a discount. So what could be better than that? So as I always say, whether you agree or have other opinions, please share the show. And until next week, say it loud. I'm free and I'm proud.